0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 7th, 2010. We're going to go ahead and continue with these Bible verses. Romans 8.36, as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Meaning Jesus Christ. Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, there's different wills of God. There's good, acceptable, and perfect. uh, that it, It talks about here. And so... You know, there is like, in other words, there many times are is a better way that something can be done. There's an acceptable way, but there's also a perfect way that conforms to the will of God, and so that's something to think about. Just because something plays out a certain way in your life. Um, if you don't have let's say it plays out a certain way and, and, and it doesn't feel that great to you well maybe that was the acceptable will but it probably wasn't god's perfect will it's, you know it's hard to say i mean it's hard to be dogmatic because in order to do that you would have to be in god's stead and you can't do that his ways are not our ways his thoughts are higher than our thoughts so just something to think about there uh next verse 12 romans 12:3 for i say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Amen to that. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Remember how I've talked about that? About how he gives to every man a measure of faith? Well, it's it, we're all different, and God deals with us in different ways. Now granted, sin is sin. But that doesn't mean God deals with us in this, and it doesn't mean one person is going to grow as fast as another person or one person is not going to stumble. Um, he gives to every one of us a measure of faith. Some people have more faith than others. Flat out. Now, if you don't have well, if you don't have faith to believe in Jesus Christ that's the first thing you really need to work on. You need to pray for that. You need to pray God to give you faith. Um... You can do that. You can pray for more faith. You can pray for God to increase your faith. You can pray for God to increase your, your courage and your discernment and these types of things. There's nothing wrong with that. Ultimately, if He does that, you're going to be a better person for it. You're going to help more people. Now, that should be your motivation is to make yourself, a, you know, obviously a better person and then and then you're going to be able to help more people. I believe God will honor that type of prayer. I mean, granted, if... if um, You need to have your sins confessed. There's a lot of things you can do to hinder prayer. And I've done whole studies on that too. Just uh, if you go up there to uh, Contending for Truth, or just key in the word prayer in Scott Johnson, um, in the keyword search box, either on YouTube. That's the only way you're going to be able to search it. But if you go up to the Contending for Truth site, you'll see all the teachings, but there's 380 something. So you, you might have a little tough time finding it um, hopefully we'll get that in a searchable format, but I, I just can't tell you when that's going to be, uh, with all the stuff that I'm in the midst of right now. <clears throat> so anyway, um, we're not to think, think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Uh, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? As Paul said, now granted, I'm not saying that's Something we should strive for to be the to be a wretch, but it is something where as you get closer to God, you're going to realize more and more and more. That all our righteousness apart from the Holy Spirit are as filthy rags. You know, Isaiah 64 6. These are things that we need to think we need to consider the pit from whence we were dug. Um, If you think of yourself more highly than you ought to, what is that? That's pride. Which is the opposite of humility. You know, and pride is, I think, one of the most disdained attributes a human could ever have before God. I I think there's nothing more that blinds you more than pride. Just look at what happened to the devil. Because of his beauty and his merchandise, he was lifted up. He became proud. He was lifted up. Then he was blinded and he actually thought he was going to usurp the throne of God. I mean, that's pretty delusional. Well, if he was probably the highest of all created in the angelic orders, he was probably the highest creation that Jesus Christ ever created. And we're going to be looking at those verses where it talks about Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. If it could happen to him, don't think it couldn't happen to you. He was literally the anointed cherub that covereth. He was literally, I believe, the covering regarding the throne of God. And he still, I mean, being that close to God, he still fell. So, take heed lest you fall. Uh, Humility is something I think we should pray for. And what breeds humility? The fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Just do a keyword search for fear of God or fear of the Lord, and you'll see all the blessings connected with it. It's unreal. There's so many. I don't think there's anything more in the Bible where there's more blessings connected to something than the fear of God. Fear of God, a byproduct of the fear of God is humility. So, anyway, let's go further here. 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to get baptized. It's just that that was his calling. Just like my calling is not baptizing either. My calling is being a watchman. So don't get, you know, some people would use that as an as a isolated key verse. See, we're not even supposed to get baptized anymore. This is how cults get started. With little cult pet doctrines. They isolate one verse of scripture to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible. And then a lot of times if they're using a perverted Bible, then they can go in there and slap their own interpretation on it even more so. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. In other words, the cross of Christ and this concept of the cross of Christ and salvation is not something that you should be able to to convey because you're so intellectual and so smart. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's what the Bible says in Romans 1 about these. And then it goes on to say they became unthankful tell you you get to a point where you become unthankful that is a very 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 dangerous place to be because when it says they became unthankful then what was the rest of Romans 1 about it was about them being turned over to a reprobate mind it was about men burning after men now I'm not saying just because you become unthankful you turn into a sodomite or a gay person or a lesbian okay, but it does say that about them in that particular verse where did it start It, it you know it started by them becoming unthankful. I mean, this thing I'm going through with my mom, all it's done for me is made me so much more thankful to God. It's like when I go to bed at night, all I can do is thank Him and praise Him and worship Him. That's what I. That's what I really get, feel convicted about doing when I pray before bed. I, I, I just, I, I just, it's just there. I, I just want to. I want to thank them for everything I've never thanked them for because there's no way you could remember everything to be thankful for. But I try to think of things in my head like you know the air that we breathe, the food that we drink, the roof over our heads, the you know, the fact that we're not in a uh, country that's in a prison state at this point. I mean, I know it's moving in that direction. But just the little things. You know, for the health of my of my daughter, uh for my health, for um knowledge and wisdom that that you may have given me for our clothes, for, for being able to take a hot shower, for the gas in my car, the fact that my car runs. I mean, you could go on and on and on. It's, it's praise the Lord. Now, when you get in that mindset, you start kind of getting your mind off. Oh, woe is me. Look at my poor situation. I could sit here and and whine and cry about all the stuff that I'm going through right now, and it's nothing compared to like what Job went through. And we're going to look at that. You know, bottom line is my mom got saved, so what, where am, where, who am I to sit here and complain about my situation? I've had one thing after another after another go wrong. I've I've my computers went down twice. It's it's in the thing right now. I mean, I don't even I don't know what's wrong with it. I got up this morning, my alarm did not go off. I mean, I had it set, it did not go off. Nonetta rang the door and I was in a dead sleep. (laughs) So, you know, I answered the doors in my pajamas. I was dressed appropriately, but I mean, you know, that's the way my day started off. And then I got up and Taylor comes out and says, our phones are both shut off. (laughs) I just went and put more uh, money on the phones yesterday. Um, and they shut him off. <laughs> so I could sit here and freak out and get mad and, and get all I, I don't know. I'm just I don't know this again. Tribulation worketh patience, and the Lord knows I need patience. So I think that that's part of. I've had one thing after another after another go wrong in the last. I mean, major stuff here. You know, brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Well, I don't know, but at the end of the day, all I can really think to do is praise, worship, and honor God. Because I realize that I deserve death and hell. And apart from him, that's exactly, I, I mean, that time that I, I mentioned before my testimony where I took too much of that, that one uh, thing when I was, before I was saved, that GHB stuff, and I died on the football field. Um, I was at a football game, and I died, and they found me, and they defibrillated me back to life. I didn't remember. It was like three hours went by. I don't remember being in hell or anything, but uh, it was just darkness. I just remember I blacked out, and then I woke up in the emergency room like three. It was like the next moment I woke up. And uh, if that ambulance hadn't been there at that football game, I would have been dead. I mean, they were there at the football game. They, they didn't like drive from the hospital. When they found us both, we were both dead. They defibrillated us with the fibrillation machine back to life. I, when I woke up, I had every tube you could imagine, other than a catheter, thank God, uh, going in me. Stomach pump, uh, the, the respirator, all these tubes down my throat, all these IVs, they had me strapped down to the table. I had all the, I mean, that was some scary stuff, let me tell you, right now. I mean, I look at all the times I should have died. I used to get on the road and I'd drive drunk, man. I'd go out and party. That was the norm for me. It was the norm. Now, this is before I was saved. I think about all the people I could have killed or all the times I should have wound up in jail by doing that. And the stupid, idiotic stuff I did when I was was younger. And... Oh, the, you know, just the terrible attitude I had toward God. Lord, I don't know. Man, I tell you what, I deserve hell. I, I, man, I I just, and I I look and I hearken back to that and I think how thankful I am that he didn't take me out. Uh, Because, boy, I must have really, God must have really been tempted to do it the way I was. I couldn't blame him. If I was God, I would have said, oh, okay, you're gone. You know? So I guess, I, you know, I just wanted to say that to make a point there about we're, we're supposed to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought <laughs> to think. And although we, w- we don't want to dwell on the past and dwell on our previous sin issues, um, it is something that should be a humble reminder to us. Um, about these things. Uh, humility before God and fear of God, I think, is one of the few things you can do to please God. I mean, I, I know there's, there's ways to please God, but I'm, I'm talking about from a biblical standpoint. You look at the t- number of times where it said God was pleased about something. He was pleased when Solomon went to him and said, I mean, here Solomon is, the richest man on the planet. He's in charge of building the you know the temple. And he had every right in the world to be proud. And eventually that those, all those thousands of women he had in his life ended up taking his heart away. Um, at least for a time. But you look at him and what did he do? He says, you know, when the Lord asked him what he would do for him, and he says, oh Lord, I am as but a little child. I know not whether to come in or go out. Please give me, you know, the wisdom to guide this people. And the thing that he said, please, God, it said... You look in the Bible where it said God was pleased. It's not very many times, if at all. I mean, just, I know it's there, but things that Jesus did please God. But he was Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a human being. So what did he do? He humbled himself. He had more right to be more proud than anybody on the planet from a temporal, carnal standpoint. Richest man that probably ever knew. The Bible says that in his day, they didn't even account silver as anything. Silver would have been like, you know, tin foil back then. Gold, everything was gold. Now, I don't know of any time in the history of the planet where that was ever the case, where silver was accounted for nothing. But Solomon humbled himself and, 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 and you know, he said, I'm his but a little child. I think it's a great way to pray. I do. I really do. I don't think, I mean, I think if something please God and you really mean it and you really say it, I mean, it's a good template. It's in there for a reason. And if you're on your knees doing it, you know, and you really mean it and you're praying, I mean, praying and fasting, and these are things also. Uh, I'm just telling you ways that I think you can get a hold of God. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, not saying that, you know, you're trying to have some magic formula. But it is true, there are certain things in the Bible you can look at. So, anyway. Um, okay. Then it goes on in this next verse. Well, I'll just read the First 1 Corinthians 1.17 again. First, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So, in other words, if you intellectually try to give somebody the gospel apart from the Holy Spirit, I believe, particularly apart from the Holy Spirit living inside you, then really the cross of Christ is not effective because it has to be the Holy Spirit working through you. See, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that draws them to Christ. It can't be because of your intellectual superiority. Not to say God can't give a person an intellect and that play a part in it, but the Holy Spirit has to be the one that does the work of salvation. For the preaching of, of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So don't be surprised if you present the gospel to most people that they think it's foolishness and they get mad. Why? Well, they're being governed, governed by demons, most likely. And the demons don't want to hear it. And if the demons are in control, if the demons are on the throne of their life, or devils or whatever you want to call it, or Satan then they're not going to want that person to yield to that. They're going to try to get them away from that. They're going to make them aggravated. The Holy Spirit can intervene. Um, but the Bible says, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which destruction and, which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. So again, that's something that the whole fear and trembling thing, you know, to think about there. <clears throat> First Corinthians two 1 Corinthians 2.1 And I, brethren, came when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's very simplistic. Okay. 1 uh, Corinthians 4.9 For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and angels, and to men. In other words, they were be made a spectacle. They were they weren't living, you know, the good life <laughs> as apostles. Okay, they all ended up basically being martyred. You know, even John. I mean, he was he died. I'm sure on the Alipatmos. So, I mean, I'd say he still died for his faith ultimately so you know it wasn't like they were living this lavish lifestyle like some of these televangelists say oh that one i'd heard there's quotes from these different guys i see and copeland kenneth copeland said one time that something talked about <laughs> one of the apostles was rolling with big money or something or I don't know. You can go up on the internet and do quotes from these guys and you can see what they've said and it'll give you the day they said it and the television program they said it on and the or the book they said it in, the page number. It's just unbelievable. That's why I stay away from televangelism. I, I, I don't think there's anything more that aggravates me more than for the most part, turning on the television and watching those guys. Most not. I'm not saying every single one is totally terrible, but I'm just talking about uh, in general, first Corinthians 15:21, for since by man came death, this is Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Now this second man as we're going to see is Jesus Christ, okay both God and man, okay he, he what is that word they use he humbled himself, but he condescended. You know, to basically come down to earth in human form. But he was still God. Okay, so that's something that's kind of hard to grasp. But um, then it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-one, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. <clears throat> and then it goes on in verse 36, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except to die. In other words, that which you sow or you plant is not quickened or made alive unless it die. Remember how we talked about the seed? Unless it die, it cannot bring forth fruit. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Who comfort us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Who by comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now remember, Jesus said it is expedient that I go, told the apostles this. For when I go, I will send the comforter who will cause all things which I taught you to be brought into remembrance. So the comforter the Holy Spirit, which is another word for the comforter is one of the ways that we actually, I believe, memorize the Bible and memorize the precepts of the Bible. Because he's the one that dwells within us that causes all these things to be brought into remembrance. People say, well, how do you know all these scriptures? Well, a lot of it I really did study. But a lot of it I read, and although I may not know book, chapter, and verse, it's there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside me. He's the one that's bringing it forth, not me. I don't want to take credit for that. I think it's very important because trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So if you acknowledge God, he's going to direct your paths and he's going to, I believe the Holy Spirit will be able to work through you in a greater degree. It's Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. So um, let's see here. And then the next verse, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Now, you have to understand with the writing of these verses, when the church first started, they were under a lot more persecution at that time. Now, I believe our day is coming. But the fact remains is that we haven't suffered persecution in America like was very totally common at the writing of the New Testament. They were suffering literally life or death stuff I mean look at all the people that got martyred and then throughout the ages after that when you know what the Catholics did in the the Spanish Inquisition and all that so some of us we we won't we can't really relate to this right now particularly if we live in a place where we're not really being persecuted but and I I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings most likely we our day is coming here um, on this earth when the sufferings of Christ will most likely abound in us. What we don't want to do when those days start to happen is harden our hearts and get mad at God and throw up our hands and say, why me? You know, um, and if you're humble and if you're thankful, you know, those are things that that are a remedy for getting mad at God, being thankful. If you're thankful, it's kind of hard to get mad at God. If you're humble before God and you have fear of God, it's kind of hard to get mad at God. Just things to think about, just common sense stuff I'm talking about here. 2 Corinthians 1.8 For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. And that's pretty bad. They were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch with... It's the trial of their faith. Are we greater than they? Are we greater than the apostles? Or do we get out, like a jail, get out of jail free card pass type of thing? I don't see any place in the Bible that says that. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Again, in order to not trust in yourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. What does that imply? Faith. If you trust in something, you have faith in it. And if you have that, then you'll have hope. Again, byproducts. I'm looking at what one thing leads to another here. Um, next verse, 2 Corinthians 1.10. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. 2 Corinthians 4.10 Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus and the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And remember, it talks a lot in these verses about the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also, Jesus, might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And again, these aren't verses you hear preached on a lot, because they're not pleasant. This this whole study, I mean, granted, I think it's a faith builder, but they're not exactly the most fun verses to dwell on, I admit it. But, you know, it's something we need to really be prepared for. Even if God were to take you today, and you don't suffer any significant persecution, Or, let's say, martyrdom, worst case scenario, and that could present itself in a whole number of different ways. You know, even if that doesn't happen, I think God wants to know, would want to know, that no matter what it, no matter what happened to you, you would never give up on God. Which is the whole concept of overcoming that I talk about in that study that I do. And this isn't about earning your way to heaven, but it's a biblical concept that if the Holy Spirit lives inside you uh, and you're a true born-again Bible-believing Christian, you're going you're to endure to the end. The Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. It's not salvation by works, but I think it needs to be looked at in light of that subject. Okay? It's called biblical balance. We look at the cross of Christ. We look at the biblical concept of overcoming. Then we can look at the biblical concept of eternal security because then I get a lot of people on, on that one. Okay? And then the concept of salvation. I think they need to be looked at individually and then looked at as a whole. Because there is a way to reconcile those verses. But again, it's rightly dividing the word of truth. So um, it's very important that, that we do that. Because there's a lot. we don't want to look at certain verses and ignore others that make us uncomfortable. There's got to be a way we can biblically reconcile all of it. And again, I think that with this teaching, if you listen to my salvation teaching, baptism teaching, the overcoming teaching I did in this teaching, hopefully it'll give you that broad base to understand this whole working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as the Bible talks about. Okay? And I don't mean salvation by works. Okay. It's it's something that, that has to be looked at in totality. So, let's go further. It's strong meat, too. It's not like, you know, entry-level stuff you learn the first day. But it is stuff we need to start learning about after we get saved. So, let's go further here. Second uh, Corinthians 4.11 For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, and that life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. Second Corinthians, then going to four sixteen, it says, "For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Inward, you know, reborn the reborn spirit that lives inside us, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and um renewed day by day. And I, you know, again, I believe that 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 is a process." And that it happens also by, you know, getting into the word of God, praying, fasting, living holy, manifesting the fruits of the spirit. There's a lot of different ways that that can be manifested. And then it goes on to say, for our light affliction, which is, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, now we get into actually rewards, um, You know, but again, if we faint not, the Bible talks about, you know, um, regarding your rewards, we will receive those if we faint not. So if you get to a point where you're just like, oh, that's it, I'm giving up on God. Well, you know, the Bible talks about that that some will be saved, yet so is by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. And I I hate to say it, but I believe there's probably a lot of people that have got up there and maybe they had had a whole bunch of rewards coming to them. And they gave up on God. And maybe God took them out at that point. Because it didn't unsave them. But he took them out and they were saved yet so as by fire. Or, or maybe, worst case scenario, you know, they just had all their rewards burned up or taken away or whatever. I don't exactly, it's hard for me to be dogmatic on exactly how that's all going to play out. I'm just giving you possible scenarios. And possible obvious things to you want to try to avoid. And giving up on God is something that you want to try to avoid. I mean, he that overcometh unto the end, the same shall be saved, okay? So we want to we wanna understand that, that, but we don't over, overcome in and of ourselves. We overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside us, by the reborn Spirit, and that we can do all things through Christ Jesus, and that we are more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't want to just dwell on verses that appear to be negative. We want to put those in light of other positive verses that state that, and again, on the process of overcoming, See the teaching I did. Because my ability at this point to answer emails is real bad. <laughs> With all the stuff that I'm going through right this second. So, listen to the overcoming teaching, salvation teaching, the baptism teaching, this teaching. you know, And also, you might want to answer the one on prayer as well. It's a good one. There's a couple I did on that. So, let's go forward. And it goes on to say our light affliction, which is but for a moment. worketh Because our life is but a vapor. Going through this thing this last year with my parents, my dad dying in May, and now it looks like my mom's going to be taken home very soon, it really drives home the point that life is but a vapor. It appears for a time and vanisheth it, vanisheth it away. It really... You know, the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes that there's wisdom in the house of of mourning, meaning not mourning like the sun coming up, but mourning like you mourn for somebody. There's wisdom there because you're going to you're going to consider your own mortality. And even as a born again Christian, it's good to do because you can get your eyes off Jesus Christ and and on the moment and on the your your life that you're living, even as a born again Christian. And it brings you back to what's really important. You know, you got this this Super Bowl that's going to be played tomorrow. And all this stinking hype about this and that. And, and, um, what? Oh, it's today. Oh, Taylor told me it was today. You know, pregame or whatever starts like six hours before the game. Give me a break. I mean, what is that compared to somebody going to heaven or hell? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, you watch the Super Bowl or whatever. It's just that, of course, there's probably going to be a lot of wickedness on, particularly with the halftime shows. You know, they do during these, you know, they got some rock star they've resurrected from the grave usually. I mean, a few years ago was Kiss, Knights in Satan's Service. That's a great one. they got all these, these spectacles and all these people in Miami now. Oh, man, I just came out of there last week at that seminar I was at. Oh, what a nightmare that place is. I just sensed the evil driving into the place. And then I got lost in a really bad part of town. That was fun. That was neat. I was definitely praying a lot. And, um, yeah, but God delivered me. Praise the Lord. And, um man, I, I, I if I ever have to go back there again, it will be a great, wonderful thing. That place is so evil. You could just sense it. Now, people that come over from Cuba and Haiti and <clears throat> a lot of these Caribbean places, that's where they end up. Not to say they're all wicked and evil, but I'm saying they bring their religions. And a lot of the religions are witchcraft, Santeria, voodoo, you name it, all kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, you could feel the evil going into that place. It is is—it is one of the most evil places I have ever I knew this when I was a baby Christian. I sensed it. Couldn't stand even going over there. Man, did that reaffirm it to me. But this is where they're having, I guess, the Super Bowl. And I mean, you know, all the partying and all all the the people from New Orleans need this because of Katrina. No, what they need is Jesus Christ. One of the most wicked cities on the planet, New Orleans, and they haven't changed No, we need more partying and more fun. We don't have enough of that here already. We've been through so I'm not saying they haven't been through a lot. Okay, but the answer is not going and getting wasted and drunk and doing drugs and fornicating and partying like there's no, you know, tomorrow, like there's no God. That's not the answer. It's an abomination. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, so let's go further. Second Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth, should not henceforth live unto themselves. See, once we once we die in Christ Jesus, which is like, like they talk about baptism as a type of burial and, and resurrection. It's the, you know, we're crucified with Christ. They which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. We don't live unto ourselves. In other words, once we're saved. We're bought with a price. is how the Bible talks about it. How do we live? But unto him which died for them and rose again. So we live for Jesus Christ and by his word. That's the way it's supposed to be. 2 Corinthians twelve nine, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, here is something that's hard for a lot of people to grasp. It says my strength is made perfect in weakness. Huh? I would think my strength would be made perfect in stronger strength. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. When you and I can attest to this, when you go through a dark valley, you, you don't have any strength, your strength's gone and it depends how dark the valley is. but it says Jesus Christ says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus Christ's strength through you is perfect made perfect in weakness. So when you're humbled or when you're, that could be physically, it could be emotionally, mentally, spiritually. There's a lot of different ways you can be humbled and made weak. That's when Jesus, the strength of Jesus Christ gives you, that's when his strength is made perfect, it says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He, glory in infirmities. A lot of people judge other people because they've got some physical infirmity. Oh, it's God's judgment. On you. Well, it could be, but Paul says that I would rather I would rather glory in my infirmity. The Bible says that, uh, um, so that Paul would not be um, lifted up. That a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him, a thorn in the flesh. And he besought God like three times, and God says, "My grace is sufficient." So a lot of times, infirmities are actually for that very reason. Now, you could also have an infirmity because of some, you know, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be for that exact reason. I mean, you could have had a ankle injury or a knee injury twenty years ago, and now you got bone on bone in the knee. And you know you're just dealing with it. It's you're you're reaping from some event in the past that you sowed or that happened to you. Okay, so again, you can't be dogmatic about every single thing that happens to the body. But Paul does say, "I would rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me." Galatians two sixteen, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Boy, a lot of so called Christians need to hear that one. Oh no, we gotta keep the old testament Levitical stuff. Oh really? Okay. You 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 do that and let me know how it turns out. I, I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna turn out. It's gonna turn out death and hell. You can't keep the law and expect that to be your pass into heaven. Oh, we don't. We we, we keep the law and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Well, what are you believing is going to be your way in heaven? Is it through the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his death, burial, and resurrection? Well, yeah, that and keeping the Sabbath and keeping the law. Whoa, hold on. What about all the other? I've got literally 37 pages of New Testament commandments that we can look at. What about them? Aren't they more pertinent to today's day? Oh, no. When he says you love me keep my commandments, it's only to the Ten Commandments. Oh, really? Where does it say that at? Huh. Again, I went down that rabbit trail. I've got more hate mail from that subject than any other thing I've ever done. Anything. And you know what? All it does is fire me up more because every time I read my Bible, it just confirms it more and more to me. That knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. It always boils down to faith. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ. It doesn't say that we might be justified by keeping the law. We're justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It seems pretty open and shut to me. Now, if I had not known the law, I had not known sin. So, that is our schoolmaster, schoolmaster, as the Bible talks about, to lead us to Christ. The moral things of the law. Not all the ceremonial stuff, which was exclusively given to the Old Testament Levitical priesthood to pass on to the... Not that, because there's certain ceremonial things that aren't of a moral value or of a moral um, thing that would apply to us. But like the verse I quoted earlier, Leviticus... 18.7, where it talks about we're not to look upon or uncover the nakedness of her mother or her father. Hey, that, that verse is just as in effect today as it was then. Now, the, the same punishment may not be carried with it like a lot of those things were punishable by death. Death by stoning. Thank God. But it's still a moral commandment that we can look at. Ten, you know, the Ten Commandments saved the Sabbath, which was which wasn't, you know, Abraham didn't observe the Sabbath. Father Abraham? No, he didn't. Didn't come until a long time later. Well, was he sinning then? Uh, you look at my teachings on the Sabbath, and, and hopefully it'll be made clear to you. Just key in "Sabbath" in the keyword search box up on YouTube, Scott Johnson. Sabbath versus Sunday, or whatever you want to key in there. But the other nine commandments in the in the of the Ten Commandments are moral. I mean, a lot of it's common sense too. You know. But by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So you just better be really careful what you're putting your faith and your trust in regarding your salvation. Because it literally is a matter of heaven and hell. Next verse. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin God forbid? For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. How does Christ live within you? By the power and through the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And the life which which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, In the Son of God. It always comes back to faith in the Son of God. It always comes back to faith. Over and over and over again. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And again, this isn't just like you get saved and all of a sudden you're living... Holy sanctified and pure walking around in some robe everywhere, thinking that you're whatever. This is a also a process that happens. Ephesians one three. Blessed be the God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Just a nice verse, you know. Ephesians one nineteen. In what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ which he when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places Ephesians 2, six, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus we're seated with Christ in heavenly places according to the Bible. It's hard to comprehend that. But our status is actually um, that way. Ephesians 2.22, in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. In other words, in Jesus Christ, we have boldness and access, and confidence by faith in Him to come boldly before the throne of grace to make our supplications known. But it's not through Mary. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Muhammad. It's only through Jesus Christ. Ephesians three sixteen that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And, this, and again, that Spirit's capital S. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. <laughs> it's always by faith. Always. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So to know the love of Christ, it says, would ultimately lead us to be filled with the fullness of God. It's kind of a byproduct. It's That's pretty awesome. Ephesians 4.17 This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. That's how most of the people are walked around. They're blinded. Their understanding is darkened. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them. We don't want to be walked around like they are. In other words, if you are, and you're calling yourself a born-again Christian, and you're no different than the Gentiles, or, or the unsaved, then there's a problem there. Huge problem. Most likely, you're not even saved. Because there should be evidence of salvation upon conversion. We're supposed to be as a new creature in Christ. Behold, all all things are passed away. All things are become new. Ephesians 4.20 But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We're sealed by the Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. Well, praise the Lord. But if it wasn't possible to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, then why would this be said? It is possible to grieve Him as a born-again Christian. I'm sure I've done it who knows how many times. That's something I'm proud of, but you know, it's a fact that, that it can happen. Uh, Philippians one twenty. According to, the, to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So in other words, whether he lives or whether he dies, let's say as a martyr, worst case scenario, as far as just from a temporal, carnal standpoint, um, Christ is going to be magnified in his body. Then he goes on to say, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord Philippians one twenty eight, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries now this is very interesting this is a tough one you might skim over this and not think a whole lot about it but it says and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God in other words, if you are terrified of your adversaries, and they see that, let's say, worst case scenario, they come to get you. Big brothers come. And he gets you, and God lets it happen. Hey, there was, there's been millions martyred. Are we better than they? Just read Fox's Book of Martyrs, or, or any of those, look at the Inquisition. But it says we're not supposed to be terrified of our adversaries. Why? Because if you are, to them, the witness you're sending them, that is an evident token of perdition to them. They're saying you're not even, you're not even saved. This is your fate. You're terrified of us. Listen, the only way you could not be is through the, the Holy Spirit. The only way you could endure, worst case scenario, martyrdom... It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, He could give you a peace that passeth all understanding, no matter what situation you're in. There's been many people that you even look at Fox's Book of Martyrs, where before they went to be burned at the stake, that one story where the guy put his finger in the in the candle, and it it didn't it, his finger was burning, but he couldn't feel it. He could do that, <clears throat> but you have to have the faith to believe he could do it. And they go down being burned at the stake, witnessing all the way. I mean, you talk about a testimony. You talk about of whom the world was not worthy. Whew. Now, you say, well, I can't comprehend. I'm not there. Well, I read that story that's been going on the internet a lot with, from Corey Ten Boom, where her dad had given her that example of when uh, regarding, she says, I'm not, I'm not strong enough to be a martyr. I can't do it. He said, don't focus on that. What you focus on is, number one, your faith. And I'm adding that in. But he gave her an analogy that when a train comes to pick you up, you don't give the conductor the token or the payment until right before you're going to get on. In other words... Right before you're, in other words, in this analogy, right before you would be tortured or martyred or whatever. And I'm not saying that's the fate of a, I'm saying worst case scenario, because I'm trying to prepare you for the worst case scenario. And I'm talking to myself as much as I am to anybody, because I don't think I'm Mr. Super Christian, I can do this in and of myself either. But when, right before you get on the train, you make the payment. It's similar to what the Holy Spirit would do with you right before you were tortured or martyred, worst case scenario he would give you that strength he would give he would make that whatever you want to call it in this case it was a payment for you to get through whatever you're going to have to get through his grace will be sufficient he can give you that and he will if you have the faith to believe it as a born again christian but you gotta have the faith to believe it. If you don't believe, he can, he won't. I don't believe he will. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So understand that, that if you're ever faced or put in that scenario, it's not gonna be about you. You have to get your eyes off yourself and onto the Holy Spirit and onto the Word of God and totally trusting and clinging to Jesus Christ as a little child. It's the only way I believe you could get through something like that. And nothing terrified of your adversaries, which to them is an evident... If you were terrified of your adversaries, to them it would be an evident token or an evident sign of perdition. Perdition would be, in the Bible, the way it's biblically defined as a drawing back into damnation. And we're going to see a lot of that because most of the people that call themselves Christians are not that and when they're tested and when they're tried they're going to fall away they've probably already fallen away it's just a it's just a sign or a show next verse for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake see it's given to us oh yeah the book that i believe that's in well anyway it's called the hiding place by Corey Tenboom I haven't read this book yet. Taylor has. And she's got it. Um, but that's... Uh, I believe about the, her in the uh, Nazi... Um, living under Nazi rule. Uh, horrific stuff. Uh, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Well, it says that. It says we're to suffer for his sake. Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, but made manifest, but made himself of no reputation, this is Philippians 2.7, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Well, what does that mean? Jesus made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. Well, we're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, let them that are greatest among you, let him be your servant. Are you striving to be a servant to the body of Christ in particular? The Bible talks about doing good to those, especially they that be of the household of faith. Jesus Christ took upon himself no reputation, or made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant as our example. Well, if you're a servant to somebody, what does that imply? Here, here He is, the Son of God. The, 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 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It's 1 John. Or, I mean, John 1. And that's in, and that's in reference to Jesus Christ. And He came to His own, and His own received Him Not talks about that. Well, he came in the form of a servant. He's our example. And we are he's our master, and we're not greater than the master. And the Bible's very clear on that. So, if he suffered, we, w- we shouldn't think that we're above suffering. And he came in the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He made of himself no reputation. And then it says in the next verse, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself... And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, bearing upon him the sins of all mankind. To boot, it wasn't just a normal death on the cross. He was bearing the sins of all mankind, and he humbled himself. Where we're to be followers of Jesus Christ, humility, servants to others. Uh, loving one another, having charity toward one to another, you know, taking care, uh, having charity toward the poor, widows and orphans, and, and bearing the fruit of the spirit. Not thinking of ourselves highly than we ought, condescending to men of low estate. Not to say that we want to live in the world, but we just want to. You know, it's just something that you know to think about here. See the way to do this is not to to you know get all psyched up and say I'll do it I'll 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 be able to endure whatever. Actually, it's the opposite. It's it's humbling ourselves, becoming a servant, knowing that the only way that this could be ever accomplished, overcoming through Christ Jesus, is through Christ Jesus. And and you know there's a lot of verses that we're looking at today which confirm that. Philippians two thirteen for it is God, which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Skipping to verse thirty, it says, "Because for the work of Christ He was nigh unto death, not regarding His life to supply your lack of service towards me, but what things were gained to me, I counted those loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord." For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So he suffered the loss of all things. That I may know him, and this is verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, there's a fellowship and a bond, I believe, you, you have with Jesus Christ when you suffer for him, persecution, tribulation, there's a bond that you build a fellowship with him that you would not have had you not suffered. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean being burned at the stake. There's a lot of different ways you can suffer. You could suffer by your family just being ungodly and, and constantly going against you all the days of your life, and you being possibly the only one in a given family. I believe that's a way of, of, of you know, that's, it, that's uh, one form of suffering. There's a lot of different ways you can. And then being made conformable unto his death. Skipping to verse 18, Philippians 3.18, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, meaning their carnal lusts and desires, when it's so hard, it talks about the belly. Whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. I think the classic example of this would be like, you know, like the Episcopalians or these Lutherans or the ones that have the gay priests now or the lesbian priests. They're glorying in their shame. And they act like they do in 1 Corinthians 5, where they act like we're so with it and so together and we're so mature. We're, we're above these trivial things that the Bible talks about. We're, we've got it so together we can, we can sin and, and uh, live in wickedness and still be in right standing with God. They actually get to that point where they're so delusional, they'll believe that. And I believe it has to, be to do, many times, with being turned over to a reprobate mind. Or like the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy 4.1, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Their conscience are seared with a hot iron. You can't get through to them. Philippians 4.11 Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now that's a really tough one. Whatever state I am in, state I am therewith to be content. But it's, it, it is a Bible verse that we can quote. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's another one we can quote. A faith building. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So like the Bible talks about when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Well, this is a verse you can quote my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is one to commit to memory. Philippians 4.19. Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, Jesus Christ, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Actually, this is in re- regard to Father God. Because they're, they're making a distinction here between the Son, you know. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood. We're redeemed, we're bought back from hell, essentially, through the blood of Jesus Christ, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, Jesus Christ. Oh boy, Darwin would, would roll over in his grave if he heard that one. I heard he had a lot of doubts on his deathbed. Darwin. For by him were all things created. Oh, the evolutionists couldn't handle that. Oh, no, we, we evolved out of the primordial slime. Oh, no, no, no. Ancient astronaut theory, which is what intelligent design is actually based on in it, its roots. No, these space aliens or whatever, or sending masters, whatever you want to call them, came here millions of years ago and created us. And we're just their little science project. I'm telling you, you're going to hear more and more of it. And when, however it plays out, whether Maitreya makes this big emergence, whether you've got UFOs, whatever, whatever deception plays out in the future, guaranteed that's what they're going to say. I would almost guarantee you they're going to come here saying they are our creators. All the channelings I'm seeing, all of, all of the things that the Ascended Masters are saying, the psychic mediums, the, what, what Hollywood is telling us, what even intelligent design tells us at its roots. We are their little science project that was created millions of years ago and we messed things up so bad, they've got to come back and straighten things out so that we can evolve to the next level and be as gods. Same lies in the Garden of Eden. And this is why I get into those issues. Because they are going to be very pertinent very soon. In one way, shape, or form. It may not go down exactly like I may have postulated, but I, I would almost guarantee it's going to be something similar. I mean, all this stuff isn't happening by accident. They're not spending all these millions and millions of dollars to subtly subtly and overtly brainwash people for no reason. There's got to be something to it. Let's go further. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him I would say when you talk about the evil that could be talked about here I mean let's face it at one time these angels that fell with Satan were good they weren't they hadn't felt fallen at some point I don't know how many Years they lit, they were in well actually there's no time in eternity that that's eternity's not eternity transcends time so it's hard to be dogmatic there as far as the years go but um it's hard to say but at one time they were good at one time Satan hadn't fallen Jesus Christ had created them all things were created by him and for him. I would say, and now, when we talk about Satan and his fallen angels and demons and devils and these things, these are vessels of wrath, as the Bible talks about in Hebrews, fitted for God's destruction. They were created. They were prepared. That word fitted means to be prepared. I don't really understand it. But it's not for me to understand so much. I mean, to a certain extent, the Lord gives me wisdom, but it's kind of hard to comprehend all that. I admit it. But, fact remains, all things were created by him and for him. The ultimate thing is they had free will. Okay, so you can't just say, well, he just forced them to do. They had free will. Just like we have free will to either get saved or not saved. Going further, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Pretty evident that Jesus Christ is the creator of everything, the universe. In the universe. Um, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, to reconcile, to be made in right standing to himself. This is what that means. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Colossians two twelve says, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who raised him from the dead. <clears throat> and again, that's another type of being buried with him in baptism, as he was, you know, in the tomb for three days. Wherein you also risen with him through faith of the operation of God. Jesus rose after the third day. Colossians 2.14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took us out of the way, nailing it to the cross. <clears throat> and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. The, these are the evil principalities and powers. Christ made a show of them openly, triumphing over over them in it. See, Satan thought that, you know, them crucifying Jesus Christ, he had won. He was was just used as a pawn. Jesus Christ had him fooled from the beginning is really the bottom line. Uh, Let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go to the next part of the teaching here.